Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. Let's have our joke from Tanner now. So two gentlemen are walking their dogs together. One has a big black lab, while the other has a minuscule chihuahua. They pass a bar and the lab owner says, let's get a beer. The chihuahua walker complains, that would be great, but we can't take our dogs in there. The first responds, watch me. The lab owner strolls in with his dog and orders a beer. The bartender tells him, sorry, you can't bring your dog in here. He's my seeing eye dog, the man replies. Um, The bartender quickly apologizes and serves the beer. The other woman follows, the other man follows with her chihuahua in tow and orders a beer as well. Again, the bartender says, there is no dogs allowed in this bar. He's my seeing eye dog, uh, the the man replies. He's like, yeah, right, the bartender says. You're so full of crap, your eyes are brown. <clears throat> a chihuahua? Give me a break. Without missing a beat, the man replies, they gave me a chihuahua? All right, that was great. I'm an alcoholic, and my name is Ronnie. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we are going to start our two-minute meditation, so please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that would make noise and distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away, and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? So let's start the meditation.
So I'm going to lead with the fog light prayer, and if you do not know the fog light prayer, it should be right there. Just follow along with me. Um, God, let your love shine through me like a fog light, so those who are lost and can find your love through me. All right, there's a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact of it for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Clinton to come up and read the Appendix 2 Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one, so it's kind of important to know what one is. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. My name is Clinton, and I'm an alcoholic. Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. Where's... Do I have to flip it? (laughs) It's all good. We'll succeed. Here we go. All right, Spiritual Experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God-consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God-consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that an alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information which is proof against all arguments and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer, Alcoholics Anonymous, pages 567 and 568. Thank you. All right, thank you. 
All right, please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane meeting mode or just turn them off. And so now I'm going to introduce our speaker. Um, this is his eighth session out of 12, and he's been doing a bang-up job. And not only that, but he makes Rick and Morty references. And if you don't know who Rick and Morty is, you should get on it immediately. Here's Doc. <laughs> wrote it down. And uh, Rick and Morty references, among others, right? among other obscure references that nobody knows. I am absolutely thrilled to find out that one of my protege's mother was in one of the greatest horror movies, not only in one of the greatest horror movies of all time, Demons by Lamberto Bava, the son of uh, Mario Bava. And if you're an Italian horror movie fan, you know the movie Demons. She was the lead, right? And now I'm starstruck, right? And uh, nobody knows any of those references, and that's exactly why I brought it up. <laughs> go, Who's Mario Bava? Black Sunday, man. Those are great movies. Those are great movies. When they made good movies. And I told him, I said, well, my mom was in the Glenn Miller story with... Uh, June Allison and Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> says, who? Who? I think they were dead before I was born. Yes, they probably were. So. But my mom's still here. We're on step eight. And I will say to you with absolute certainty what I say to any protégés I work with, that if you do a thorough step eight you may never have to do step nine, right? So if you came to me and said, let's go through the steps, and I would say probably your biggest fear is not in four and five, and not even in eight, but in nine, you know? I've had lots of people relapse over nine way before they got there, you know? They start freaking out about the thing they stole from that person, and they're going to have to go back, and no, I can't do that. And then they're gone at four or five, right? So I, I, I realized I could start telling people the truth. You will not have to do a step nine, possibly, not for sure, but possibly, if you do a thorough step eight. And the reason is, uh, I'll let you in on, on the trick, <laughs> is that when you really become willing to make amends to them all, that willingness turns into a deep desire. And I couldn't stop you from doing a step nine if you did a thorough eight, right? So I've never had anybody I worked with not do a step nine, but I can assure them at the beginning they may not have to if they do it. But that's how we do the steps, one at a time. So, so what I'm saying is go into eight fearlessly, Right? You don't have to do nine. Just make the list. Eight doesn't say do nine. Eight says make the list. Be willing. That's all you have to do. You could stop right there. But the trick is that once, once God's in you, once you stimulate that, once it starts oozing from, as the book said, from the inside out, out from here. As we go out from here, it says, right? You won't be able to not do a nine. 
Now, there is a, a caveat in that. And those are the people that come into the program and do a three-step program. And they used to say, well, a three-step program is one, two, three, and you're out. No, 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 no. I, I've not, that's not been my experience. My experience has been people that come into one, nine, twelve, and then they're out, right? I have an alcoholic problem, and I know that. And now I need to call everyone I know and apologize for it and let them know I'm sober. And now, hold, sorry, can't, don't talk. I got to go. I got to help another alcoholic. Because I'm the only guy that can do it. One, nine, twelve, gone. You know, beautiful. I know, you chuckle only because you start thinking about it. You go, I've known those guys. I've known those guys. Those newcomers that are like, dude, I already called my ex-wife. No, 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 no. Please, don't call anybody. Right? Just don't do anything. That's why they, they, there's no law that says don't make any, any big decisions for a year in here. That's just experience. And then it got changed into, because everybody's banging each other in a treatment center, they turned it into a rule. They go, don't have sex for a year. You go, what the hell is that? Where is that? What page is that on? In fact, where I see it, it says we are not the arbiters of anybody's sexual conduct. We neither endorse nor oppose any causes, right? Mind your own business. Each, each person is sick. We all have a common medicine that will work on all of us. But the treatments vary a little bit from person to person, right? I know people that they probably shouldn't be in any kind of relationship, even a one-night relationship for years in this program. You know, there are some stories, and surely you don't want to date anyone that you haven't heard their story yet. You know, that's the truth. And my friend Paulette told me that. She goes, yeah, just wait till you hear that story. Oh, man. Right? But I say this because that's a big part of eight, man. It's a big part of eight. And a lot of us are willing to make a list on eight, but then we don't change our behavior at all. So we might just have a Rolodex for eight, you know. We got just a big loop of, of, of list, right? I put them on here, and then I get the loop, and then I erase them, and then I add another one, and it just keeps going, right? Because I'm willing to do all that creepy stuff I did when I got loaded, but now I can do it because it's God's will, right? Because why else would she be here? I'm here. She's here. I never come to this meeting. She never comes to this meeting. Oh, my God. It must be God's will, you know? And guess what? She likes old Italian horror movies from the 60s and 80s, by the way, right? Must be God's will. Um, When I made my first list, my first eight step, and I've gone through the steps several times, and again, the book does not clearly say you should be doing this every so many years or ever so often or you only have to do it once again for different people the treatments may vary a little bit i know that anytime i've hired a maid and she cleans my apartment i swear to god i'm going to keep it that way forever right that and from now on now i just spent 200 bucks having the whole plane just really deep clean and i am i am wiping up every spill and I am vacuuming every other day. I will not let it get dirty again. And it always gets dirty again. And my life's kind of like that too. Every once in a while, it's come out to be about every four or five years for me. 
I need to do the steps again. I need to go through and, and check everything, a, a big checkup. But the first time, uh, I didn't do a fourth step for a year because I think I mentioned before that my, uh, I met with my sponsor and I said, he goes, how are you doing on steps? I go, all right, one, two, and three, I'm down. I got it, right? I absolutely admit it. I, I have nothing. I am powerless. I know that. And that's true. And I know that God can do it. And I, I'm completely willing to let God do it. So let's do four. And he said, no, 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 why, why don't you digest these three and we'll get to four. What I heard him say is, I'll let you know when you're ready for four. So I didn't say anything else after that. Yeah, that was his responsibility after that, right? So I let it go for a year. And then my buddy came to pick me up for a meeting and I was out in the front yard arguing with the police about uh, my car that didn't have license plates parked in my driveway. And they were completely uneducated about what the laws were. So I was trying to educate them, of course, you know, at a year sober, telling them, no, I don't need to have it registered because I'm not driving it. It's in my driveway. And they said, no, Arizona law is it has to be in an enclosed building if you're not going to, right? It has to be shut up in the garage if you're not, or, or tarped or something. It has to be shut off. No, you don't understand. And so I have two cops and I'm arguing with them and my friend pulls up to take me to a meeting and he comes over and he goes, excuse me. And he said, Doc, can, can you wait over by the tree? And he talks to the cops, and then they get in their car and leave. And he and I get in my buddy's car, and we, we drive to the meeting. And I go, whoa, that was awesome. What did you say to him, right? You know, did you give him some of that, you know, East Coast attitude? What did you do? How did you do that, right? And he goes, well, I told him the truth. You did? He said, yeah, I explained to him that you were mentally ill, <laughs> and I was taking you for a treatment right now. That mentally ill. <laughs> Have you done your four step? No. Then you're really mentally ill. All right. I mentioned last week I came out from coffee that night and then realized all in just this flash, a year sober, oh my God, this could kill me. This is not a game. I'm not just stopping smoking pot and drinking beer, right? Because I'd, I'd done all the liquor, you know, I could put that away and all the, the other forms of liquor in the pill form and powder form and everything else. So yeah, I put all that stuff away. Beer and pot, that's not anything. Well, if it's not anything, how come I couldn't quit that? That's what I couldn't quit, right? I couldn't, I couldn't get the, the pebble out of my shoe. I could go around a mountain. I didn't, you don't trip on a mountain, but that pebble in my shoe, dang. I just couldn't, it just wore me out. And I realized I could die. So I did a four-step. And I had to have my friend come in, that same friend, and go, let me show you how to do it. And so he just like made this kit, right? Fill this in, fill this in, fill this in, fill this in. Okay. And while I was doing it, I did it, I started on a Friday and I ended Sunday night. I was done because I, I didn't leave the house. But while I was doing it, all this stuff is coming up. All these memories, right? And then I'd come up to a memory that it'd be about somebody I just totally screwed over. And I, and I go, well, what column do they fit in? Well, they, they actually don't fit into any column. And, and, you know, there might be, I had no idea what was ahead of me, right? I'd been here a year. I had no idea what was ahead of me. I was on four. That's all I knew. So I said, I'll just write this on another piece of paper. And I accidentally made an eight-step list while I made my fourth, which is what the book says to do. 
We have done it partially already with the fourth step, right? Then I found a whole lot of people on my fourth step belonged on my eighth step. It's really funny how we have resentments over people that allow us to screw them. You know, it's true. You go, how dare you do that to me? You did it. You know, that's what every abuser says. You made me that guy again. How dare you make me act like this? And our fourth step is just filled with eight-step names. You know? I can't believe it. I would have never done that had you not set me up. You know? How dare you? That's like a, that's like a sting. You know, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Uh, in, in, in both the 12 and 12 and the big book, 8 and 9 are woven together. Uh, so you really cannot address one without the other. I'm going to try to focus primarily on 8, and then uh, I, I may pull in some 9, and next week we'll talk about you know, going out from here. Um, but this may be, I, I, I can tell you this, my book is broken at page 76, 77, where 8 and 9 start. It's, it's broken there, the pages are falling out. Um, in, 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 in the 12 and 12, I just, it is every, every line in here in, in eight is just underlined. I mean, you know, it's all highlighted, it's underlined, it's circles, there's side notes, there are other notes, there are cross references, and it just goes on and on like that. So we could really go into it. Um, but I wanted to just make a couple observations first off that why are we doing this? Well, we're, we're trying to repair the damage we've done. Who cares about the damage we've done, right? I didn't have a rearview mirror in my car because I'm never going back, right? I swear to God, why look back? Just go forward, foot on the gas, let's go. Well, we live a better life now. Yeah, so what good does this do? Well, then you don't have to look over your shoulder. Guess that's not what this is about. Well, then I don't owe anybody. There's nobody looking for me. I'm not looking. No, that's not, that's not what it's about either. Well, I want to be more spiritual. Yeah, how will this help? I can't answer it. Quit answer it. It's like a guy said to me the other day. Damn it, you keep getting in my head and then I can't answer. No, you just can't answer. Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to do an eight and nine? Because we are incapable of having any kind of relationship with another human being. That is the nature of the beast. That is who we are. We are incapable I'm not going to point them out. I was talking to someone before the meeting, and I said, you know, what about that last relationship you had? Which one, did it go bad? She goes, all of them went bad. Yeah, it's a club we have here, you know. Almost all of them go bad. Sooner or later, everything gets old and decays and falls apart. Yet we are masters at trying to keep the dead alive. Right? You know, I will beat a relationship that should have died of natural causes. I will beat it for months trying to keep it alive. Oh my God. To the pain and dismay of everyone involved. And yet, the book addresses all those things. We are incapable. Page 80 in the 12 and 12 talks about it says, um, since defective relations with other human beings which is us, right, all the time. We can't have a relationship with, with the postmen, you know? Go to the post office, wait in line, 
You'll be pissed off before you get to the counter because you had to wait in line. And then when you get there and they don't have the the love me stamp that you waited in line to get, you'll let them know what a crappy job the U.S. Postal Service is doing and how much better you could run the whole postal system. Yeah, because that's who we are. We can run the White House better, Congress better, the judicial system better. We could run the police departments better. I can run, I can drive every other car on the road better than they can. Every one of them, the one in front of me, the one behind me. In fact, I live in Miami, so we have a range of about five cars in front of us. We will start honk, I'll be five cars back and the sixth car will honk when the light turns green. You know, we know better than anybody. It's all me, 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 me. Damn it. We cannot have relationships with anybody. And then we think we're going we're gonna to get sober and be just fine with this. Since defective relations, why are they defective? Because we are incapable. That's, it says that's what this book is written for. To help us learn how to, ha- I'll, I'll read it in a minute. How to be at peace with everyone. Since defective relations with other human beings have nearly always been the immediate cause of our woes. <laughs> Not feeling good? Man, I, I had three newses today. One, a friend of mine, my best friend died. Sad. Two, another very good friend of mine had a, had a stroke this morning. Thought I pinched a nerve in my left arm, so I just kept working with my right until the ambulance came. He's in the hospital right now. And then another friend right here. Oh, my house burned down this morning. Great. And lost one of my pets. Holy crap. Wow. Those are real woes. But most of us, our immediate, the cause the immediate cause of our woes, including our alcoholism, was based on defective relations with other human beings. That's scary, right? That's scary. It says, so no field of investigation, step eight, could yield more satisfying and valuable rewards than this one. You want to look at yourself. I was working with a guy a while back who has absolutely, it is impossible for him to look at himself. He just can't do it. He can't do it. He, 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 he just, he has such a, such a thick, phony veneer on the outside. And he has spent his whole life making this persona, which is Greek for mask, by the way. A persona. He, he can't break it. He can't look into himself. It's really hard for him. You know? That's what this is. No immediate investigation. However, it says <laughs> right at the beginning, they call it surgery. Painful surgery. It says there will be pain. Lots of pain. To a degree... He, you, me, we have already done this list when taking moral inventory to a degree, about half. Why do I know that? 
because it says, but now the time has come when he ought to redouble his efforts. The only argument there is, does redouble mean double or does it mean double and double? Is that a times four or is that a times two, right? If you double and redouble, that would be four to the fourth power, right? Four squared times four, four squared squared, right? Anyway, it's a lot. It's a lot. If you made a long list on your fourth step, and you should have, because it says in the book, by now we have written a lot. I had one guy come to me. We started working together, and then he says, "Um, I have 80 names on my list. Is that too many? Because my last sponsor said it was way too many. I said, no, you haven't hit 100 yet. You know, I know you got 100 resentments, brother. I know you. I know how old you are, how long you've been around. I know you're pissed off at every single person you've ever come in contact with. And it says, so if you've got 100 on your four, and now you're going, oh, shoot, I only had 15. (laughs) I only put my mom, dad, brother, sister. Yeah, I put down everyone who came within my view. If you add a, a list of a hundred at step four, you should probably have a couple hundred at eight. How dare you? Dude, how many people did I harm? Wait till you hear. Wait till you hear. Redouble his efforts to see how many people he has hurt. To see how many people he's hurt. See, you don't think you have that many till you start listing them. And you don't know what to list till you know what harm means. We want to see how many people and in what ways. This reopening of emotional wounds, remember, we, fle- we have devoted, up till now it says, we have devoted our lives, last week, fleeing from pain. Devoted our lives. So when your sponsor goes, I don't care if you're, you're new or if you're doing them again, and, and, and he says, time to open up some emotional wounds, we go, no, thanks, you know? I think I, can I, oh, I've heard this so many times. Can I use the eighth step I already wrote last time I went through the, through the steps? Oh, only on the witness stand. Only to jog your memory. But you have to rewrite everything. I want you to remember everything. Because reopening these emotional wounds, some old, some perhaps forgotten, and some still painfully festering, will at first look like a purposeless and pointless piece. There's alliteration. A purposeless and pointless piece of surgery. Right? How can it be purposeless if it's a step? And yet, we know better than Bill Wilson and God, man. We do. If we can drive every car on the road, we know better than anybody. We go, why, why do I got to do this? It's completely purposeless and pointless, right? Why do I have to do that? that? Why would they have to write, why would Bill have to write that in this 12 and 12 to reassure you that, no, 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 we made it a step because it's vitally important. The word vital, vital, meaning life, right? Surgery. Oh my God. Do you know how much humility it takes to heal this kind of pain that's why we that's why we work on humility all the way up humbly asked him so that we can go into this surgery and be able to heal from the pain quickly 
right? It's what step seven said last week. That pain is the admission price to a new life. And yet, that buys so much more than just a new life. It buys a certain level of humility which heals the pain. Therefore, we desire humility more and fear pain less. Right? And once we've done that step, once that's working in our lives, then we come in here and we go, okay, I can dig through all the stuff I've done to hurt people. You know why it hurts so much? Oh, let me finish this. It says, uh, but if a willing start is made, then the great advantages of doing this will so quickly reveal themselves that the pain will be lessened as one obstacle after another melts away. The reason it's so painful is because none of us, and I know you, I, I really can't think of one person that I know today, 30 years sober, I'm getting a, getting a chip, I think Sunday is my day, but, but I really don't know one person alive today in any of the programs that is an evil person. I really don't know any. And most of you are way the other side. Most of you are really kind-hearted even empathetic, loving human beings, whether you're brand new or whether you've practiced it for a while. And, and I think we see ourselves as that loving, kind person. And then we have to dig through and see all the horrible things we've done to people. And that, it, it's just so reality-shattering for us. You know? I remember one Thanksgiving... I was sitting at a bar and getting drunker and drunker, and then I had an idea. You know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to go feed the homeless right now. I'm going to go buy a bunch of turkeys. I, I mean, I'm getting up from a bar stool. And food, and I'm going down, and I'm going to set up my own thing and just hand out Thanksgiving dinner to everybody. So I head off. Now it's early evening <laughs> already. I head off to the grocery store, which is closed because it's Thanksgiving, and uh, I demand they let me in. Now, apparent, there must have, I don't recall, but there must have been somebody in the grocery store, because I know, I do remember standing there for a long time, kicking the front glass door, screaming, let me in, I'm trying to feed the damn homeless, Right? Because I'm basically a good man. You know, really, I'm a caring, loving human being. And we are. We are. We're really nice people. But we have a disease that says, we have a cancer, right? Our cancer demands, willfully demands, more than can ever satisfy it. We demand that those desires give us more pleasure than will ever satisfy us, or that is ever due us, right? So get between me and what I feel I want to have my immediate uh, desires fulfilled, and I'm going to crush you, because I'm a juggernaut. I crush everything in my path. So it's painful to dig all this stuff up. The really interesting thing is, is that we still live like this today, you know? Eight and nine is not about being drunk. Eight and nine is not about the harm we've done because we were loaded. 
That was just our excuse, right? We could go to bed with anybody and say, next morning, sorry, I was drunk, right? We had an excuse. We could treat somebody like dirt and the next day go, I'm really sorry, man, I was drunk. That was just an excuse. But we continue to live this way today, sober. And the book addresses that directly, right? Because it says this. Very deep, this is on page 79 of the 12 and 12, at the bottom of the page, very deep, sometimes quite forgotten, damaging, emotional conflicts persist below the level of consciousness. Sometimes this stuff doesn't come out the first time we do it. Didn't for me. Here's a good example. (laughs) Uh, On page 78, it says, these obstacles, right, as they melt away, the obstacles are very real, and they can live with you all through sobriety if you don't spiritually go after them with, with your higher power. The first and one of the most difficult has to do with forgiveness. It's one of the reasons we say the Lord's Prayer. It's a big move again to try to end the Lord's Prayer. It's absolutely ridiculous. We don't, we're not affiliated with any group. It's not the Lord's Prayer anyway. It's an old Jewish prayer based on older Jewish prayers that was taught by a Jew to 2,000 Jews. It's a Jewish prayer. Yet the serenity prayer was written by uh, Neiman, who is an old white Protestant guy. And the very second verse is, mentions Jesus. So that's purely a Christian prayer. And yet, people who don't know what they're talking about want to eliminate prayers at a meeting, right? It's like, no, the book addresses that. It says, we quote certain prayers not because we're affiliated with who wrote them, but because they represent some ideas that we believe in. Like, God, forgive me in the same manner that I forgive others. Oh, are you willing to put it all in? Are you really willing to bet everything? No, we just we want to go, God, just show me how to be forgiving. Well, why don't you push all your chips in? Tell God to only forgive you in the same manner that you forgive everybody else. How about that? Well, that's what the quote, the alleged Lord's Prayer says, right? Forgive me in the same manner and same degree that I forgive others. Ouch. You better pray another prayer going, and please don't answer all my prayers. God, I didn't know what I was praying. They made me say it. That's why we want to eliminate it from these meetings. The moment we ponder a twisted or broken relationship, which is how many of them? All of them. With another person, our emotions go on the defensive. You don't think that happens today? Oh, man. Well, you've never met a Latin male. Because machismo is alive and well. It is. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. My emotions go on the defensive. What'd you call me? What'd you say? Use the B word in jail. See what happens. Yeah. It's a word. Yeah, but that's not what the culture means. 
It's not what jail culture is. I'll give you an example. I, uh, years ago, I was dating a woman. Um, her dad was like a teen dad when she was born. And I was, you know, uh, older than her. So actually, the distance between my age and her age was not much less than the distance between her dad's age and her, because he was a, a young teen dad, right? And none of that mattered. Everything was great. She was a, an awesome girlfriend and, and later became a very good friend and still is. But she told me, she said, my dad was playing golf with his buddy, and his buddy said, gee, your daughter is all grown up. She's a full-grown adult. Would it be okay if I dated her? And she told me that her dad said, you are sick, man. Why would you say that about my daughter? You're just sick. Immediately, I said, your dad, I, I freaking hate your dad now, right? How dare your dad attack me like that? And she reminded me, she goes, my dad doesn't even know you exist yet. How is he attacking you? Well, no. It's the age thing, and I, oh, uh, oh it's, it wasn't an attack on me. But what happened? My emotions went on the defensive immediately, right? It is something below the level of consciousness is still in conflict. What's going on? This ain't about her. This ain't about him. This is, this is all about me and my own past. What's going on? Something ain't, something ain't connecting right here, right? Here, I'll give you another one. If you don't think emotions go on the defense to, today, I, I, I suggest... Recording your own arguments with your loved one, right? Whether it's a romantic relationship or whether it's a sponsor, sponsee, or at work or wherever, but a relationship argument. And you will hear often, often, maybe not with you, but with the other person, often, but often we hear in the middle of the, the argument, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. Let me finish. I let you talk, now let me talk, right? All that stuff is defense talk, right? As soon as I hear, no, 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 I go, we're done, we're done. End of conversation. Because all of a sudden, you're not listening, you're in defense mode. If I say it, we're done too. I try not to. I really try to listen to what's being said if, if there's any kind of discussion going. You know, unless it's a sponsee, then they need to shut the F up and listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that came from a newcomer, that clap right there. When you hear, no, 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 wait, 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 let me talk, let me finish. We heard it on the Democratic uh, debate stage the other night. One of them, I won't say who, said, let me finish, and the whole room went, ooh. Right? It was like it was like his girlfriend yelled, Let me finish. Oh, okay, all right, all right. You know? When we're in defense mode, we're not listening and we don't want to communicate. What do we want? We want to be heard. That's it. We want to be heard, we want to be understood, and I am no longer no longer taking in information. I am merely wrestling you to get you to listen to me. That's it. And even if I go, fine. Okay, I let you talk. Now let me talk, right? 
That's still defense. That's what this page talks about right here in the 12 and 12. Whenever our emotions go on the defensive, right? Read it backwards. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in, in mysticism, alchemy, uh, algebra, chemistry, physics. I believe those things, right? So I believe that if A plus B equals C, then C equals B plus A, right? Works going both ways. Same with this sentence. It says, uh, the moment we ponder a twisted or broken relationship with another human being, comma, our emotions go on the defensive. So therefore, our emotions go on the defensive whenever we ponder a twisted or broken relationship with another person, right? If it goes one way, it's got to go the other way. So if all of a sudden I'm going into defense mode, there's something broken here, Right? There's something not healthy here. I need to shut up. Or if they do it, you need to back out. End it. There's, you cannot win that. Right? Where does that come from? It comes from conflicts below the level of consciousness. Right? Why is that still going on? Well, because we have to look over here and see what it says again on page 76 in the 12 and 12. I think it's page 76, right? Where am I? Oh, no, 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 that's way too far. On page uh, 80, sorry. Page 80 in the 12 and 12. Because it says, made a list of all persons we had harmed. What does that mean? I love how this book is written. Because as soon as I think that, they put the sentence, (laughs) we might next ask ourselves what we mean when we say that we have, quote, harmed other people. What kind of harm do we do one another anyway? Great, that's what I was thinking. Amazing. To define the word, quote, harm in a practical way, in an Alcoholics Anonymous way. We might call it the result of instincts in collision. It's the same stuff, right? Right? Same things. Conflict, collision. Right? It's the same thing that was happening below the level of consciousness on the page before, right? Con- emotional conflicts. Instincts in collision. What happens? Well, it says, which cause, the collision, caused physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual damage. All right. Ah. I'll give you the example I gave my sponsor. Really? Okay, well, when I was in Houston, Texas, and I was driving around the country as an itinerant performer, and I hung out at this crappy bar, and I picked the bar because it had a big sign on it that said, no guns, no knives, no colors, and I knew it would be filled with armed bikers. So I thought, this is a place for me. It was called uh, Pastimes Bar. And they used to have a joke, uh, fast times, it's the past times, right? And I go in there and I sit down. Remember, I got sober in, in 1990, so this is in the 80s. And I sit down, it's kind of dark and it's a beautiful place. And I kept going in all the time. It was like, a, it was like a, an upholstered sewer. It was lovely. And I went in and had the best tables I've ever been under. <laughs> So, I, so, so I'm sitting at the bar, and I talk. There's this, there's this cute little, you know, twenty-something blonde girl, and uh, and I'm, you know, I'm, in, I'm in my mid to late twenties, and and uh, 
I'm drinking and she's drinking and we start laughing and joking and we're flirting and and pretty soon she goes, uh, hey, want to go out to my car for a smoke a joint? Well, I know what that means. I mean, don't act like you don't either, you know. When we were drinking, we just threw sex around anywhere, you know. You have sex anywhere when we were drinking, getting high. Now that we're sober, it's like, oh, my God, I got to, you know, clean the house to have somebody over. And we used to just go like, you know, meet me in the dressing room over here. You know, I mean, come on. And now we're like, oh, no, no, I was never that way. I was never that way. Yeah, you were. Because I, I was doing it with somebody, right? And those people were as equally guilty as I was. And so, so I said, yeah. She goes, okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom, freshen up, and I'll be right back out. So she goes away, and I'm like, hey, it's a good day, you know? It's a good day. And the old guys next to me, they said, uh, excuse me, they said, you know what her nickname is, right? And I said, no. Well, there was a movie in 1960 that came out called Psycho, right? It was great. But, but for 20-something years, they didn't do a sequel to that. And then they did a sequel called Psycho 2 in the 80s. And it was about this beautiful young blonde girl that chopped guys up at the Bates Motel and put their body parts in the ice machine to keep them cold, right? And they go, her nickname is Psycho 2. And I got to say, I was a little more attracted at that moment. I was like, oh, because, you know, face it, sex with crazy people is good sex. You know, act like you don't know that. Maybe you're the crazy person. I don't know. Maybe you're the other side of this equation. Now, okay, so, so from there on, I'm not going to, you know, go into details. Of course, we went in the parking lot, we smoked a joint, right? And then came back, you know, whatever that was, 45 minutes or an hour later, and then we had a good time, and, you know, we came back, and, and then we got fresh up, and then the evening was done. Okay, all done. No more to that story, except that now I'm asking my sponsor, does this, does this girl need to go on my eighth step? He goes, I don't know, look in the 12 and 12. Look in the book, 12 and 12, big book, same book to me. They're both. They're the one's the Constitution, one's the Bill of Rights. They work together, right? He goes, look in the book, look in the material. Does it say, what does it say? It says, whom we have harmed physically. He goes, did you harm her physically? Mm. <laughs> nothing bad, nothing that wasn't, you know, consensual harm. And he goes, okay, then cross that one off. How about Mentally. Maybe a little. All right, write down that you were a little mentally obnoxious, abusive, whatever you want to put. It's your list. Okay. What about emotionally? Dude, what is a 20-something, 22, 23-year-old, gorgeous, blonde, little, white girl doing in a biker bar going out into the parking lot with a stranger to have casual sex. What, what's, what damage has happened to this little girl? You know? And, and you're part of that now. You're feeding that now. Your self-desire was so strong, you didn't even consider that for a moment. What you saw was what you wanted. 
and you were going to get what you wanted, so you saw nothing else. Did you hurt her emotionally? Yes. I know I fed an emotional demon she has. I know I did. And the last one, spiritually. Did you spiritually lift her up? No. No. How many of those do you want to put on your list? I don't want to number them. I don't want to number them. I'm not going to say here. I put a lot of those on my list, you know. I had to look even at the guy next to me when I was drinking who says that I didn't even know. And this happened over and over. Well, he says, I got to get home. Just one more. Let's just have one more, whoever you are. No, I need to get home. Hold on. Two shots. And he'd have another shot and another drink and hang out a little more. Because I didn't want to be alone at the bar, right? I don't know what happened to that man, those men, those people. I don't know if he wrecked his car on the way home. I don't know if he lost his job the next day. I don't know if his wife said, that's it, get out. I don't know how bad of an alcoholic he was or if he was an alcoholic. I don't know if he ended up leaving there and going to the gambling casino and losing everything or going down to pick up somebody on 7th Avenue and losing everything. I don't know if I was the straw that broke the camel's back, but I know that he said, no, thank you, no, and he wanted to leave, and I forced another drink on a guy hundreds of times. Physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual damage. And then it goes into all sorts of conduct, sexual conduct, contemptuous, vengeful, selfish, jealous, miserly. Do we retaliate? What other kind of harms? Irresponsibility, callous, cold. Irritable, critical, impatient. We lavish attention. We neglect others. We dominate. We rule with an iron fist. What about when we wallow in depression? Self-pity oozing from every pore. How about being, it says here, humorless? We absolutely insist on enjoying life. At the top of page 77 which is right at the beginning of step eight in the big book. It says, at the moment, we are trying to put our lives in order. That's why we're doing this. We're not making this list and then going out to make it right so that nobody's looking behind. We don't have to look over our shoulders so that we don't have to worry that somebody's looking for us. We're not doing it so we can grow better spiritually with no definable result. We're doing it because we are incapable of having a relationship with another human being. We're doing it to look inside ourselves to see what these defects of character we talked about before this are in a practical sense of how we actually unknowingly, unthinkingly hurt people and never look back. And we do it in sobriety. It's a constant thing to look at 8 and 9. Constant thing. Page 77. But this is not an end in itself. Right? To put our lives in order. We're doing this because our real 
purpose in life, the reason we're alive, the reason God pulled us off of a bar stool or out of an alley or out of a crappy car or wherever he pulled you from and put your butt in that seat or on this stage or wherever or behind whatever coffee bar you're at is so that you could do this for him. He saves misfits to use them as his number one people. And that's us. It says, Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and to those about us, to the people about us, to serve God and to serve others. And next week, we'll talk about how we go out from here and how we start doing that. I'm Doc Alcoholic. See you next week. Uh, thank the speaker one more time. And I'm going to have Megan come up for the secretary's report. Um, hi, I'm Megan. Um, uh, are you recovered alcoholic secretary? Sorry about that. In keeping with the seventh tradition, uh, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside, outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. I've asked Juliet to come up and read the recovered statement. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as uh, recovered rather than uh, recovering and what exactly it means to be a recovered alcoholic. alcoholic recovered we are not cured of alcoholism recovered but not cured that presents a conflict to some alcoholics if we were cured we would be able to drink responsibly no we are not cured the allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime but we have been restored to sanity that was the problem the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body we are now sane where alcohol is concerned Consequently, we have recovered. Nineteen forty style big book sponsorship from forward to the second edition Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to, to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some of relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his uh, loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. Um, Could I please have a show of hands of of recovered alcoholics? And then anybody who needs a sponsor. Okay, so we have a couple here. here. We have some announcements. Uh, the Broward County Intergroup, um, there's all the information on how to get in touch. Um, if you want to do some service, it's always a good way. Broward County Institutions Committee. The business meetings are the second Saturday of the month. They're at the 12 Step House, um, and all the meetings for the rest of the year are there. Well, not the rest of the year, but 
<laughs> fifth annual intergroup appreciation banquet. That is April 25th um, at Tropical Acres Steakhouse, and the tickets are $45 a person. Um, you can call the number on the bottom to reserve tickets. And then um, Fikipod, June 5th through 7th. Um, you can pre-register and book your room now. Um, and this is our meeting, Alcoholics and God, Thursday night um, at 7.15. Yeah, and you can listen to the podcast from the meeting. Um, and uh, please join us on Monday nights for the Big Book Study Meeting, where the Big Book comes alive. Fellowship is at 6.30, and the Big Book Study starts at 7.15. We have CDs, mugs, large print big books, um, the little red book and big book dictionaries for sale. We meet every Thursday starting promptly at 7.15, and we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bell. We also ask if you um, outside smoke or vape to go 75 feet away from the building on either side down at the end by the smoke buckets. <laughs> All past speaker podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday Night Big Book study. And those who wish to thank tonight's speaker, please line up down the center aisle. And uh, let's, let's close this with the Lord's Prayer. And we will see you next Monday or Thursday. Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It doesn't matter
Michael Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. I'm 
are green now, growing vines. They twist and turn each way, flowers blooming all the time right outside my door. Never before. I had to change everything to realize that today is the best day of my life. Broken man, I traveled far and wide through the great divide through his own heart. Yeah, well, I have a life today when it give away, and it's just about to start. So I face each day. Brand new way, show up and plug in my guitar. And I play my songs, and people sing along, and stomp their feet and raise their arms. And here in this moment that we share, nothing could song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.
Happy birthday!